Greetings, you have reached Bible Time with Jane, and I am Jane, your host. Uh, We are going to be starting a Bible study series on the book of Acts, and today is the first introductory lesson for that study. We'll be looking at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, but before we get started, uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of background information on the book. It has been described as is Luke, who was a Gentile and a Christian. He was an educated man. He's described in Colossians 4.14 as the beloved physician, so we know that he was a doctor. And uh, his uh, writing was in the language of Greek medical schools. There's a lot of medical terminology in his writings. He wrote the Gospel of Luke and also the book of Acts. The Gospel of Luke uh, is the story of Jesus and the ministry that he began to do, and Acts continues that story in and through the Church of Jesus Christ. Luke also became a traveling companion uh, of Paul and Silas, and he actually spent about six years in the city of Philippi, ministering there as a pastor and teacher, while Paul continued on with his missionary journey. He later joined up with Paul, and we see him um, with Paul in uh, in the book of Philemon, verse 24. He is a, a fellow laborer with Paul in the ministry as a missionary. And also we see him at the end of Paul's life, when Paul was in his second prison imprisonment in Rome, uh, just shortly before his death, we see him in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, being mentioned as Paul's physician and companion during those final weeks of his life. In uh, Luke's writings, both in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts, there are basically three fundamental truths. That salvation has been prepared by God. That is supported by Luke chapter 2, verses 30 through 31, when Simon, the uh, priest, at the time of Jesus was uh, brought to the temple uh, as a baby, he prophesied, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. Salvation is is bestowed by Jesus Christ. Uh, For Jesus himself said in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And also in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it is written, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And of course, that name is Jesus Christ. And salvation also is offered to all peoples, and this is opened up to us in uh, this book, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. It says, in, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And in Acts two thirty-nine, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. In Luke chapter 24, as he closed out his gospel account, Jesus said, This is what is written, The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. 
So to lay the foundation for our verses today, I want to start with the reading of 1 John verses 1 through 4, which says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we would declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. In this passage that is written by the Apostle John at the end of his life, he testifies that he and the other apostles with him were eyewitnesses to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They, he says that we have seen him with our eyes, we have touched him with our hands, we have heard his teaching, and we bear first, first-hand uh, witness to the truth that Jesus lived and died and rose again and ascended to heaven. They were eyewitnesses to this. And so John and the other apostles became a key resource for uh, Luke in the, in the writing of his two books. Now, in Luke chapter 1, uh, he starts off with this, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Now Luke, being a physician, he, he likes to think logically and in order, and he gathers, he does his research and he gathers all of his facts. And the end result is the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. The uh, recipient of these two books, these two writings, is a man by the name of Theophilus. His name means a lover of God. And there are many who uh, feel that be, the way that he's being addressed, most excellent, ex excellent, is a phrase that is used when, you, when one would approach a Roman official. And so there's a possibility that he may have been a governor of a province or somebody who was in authority um, uh, in the Roman Empire. But the other aspect to that name, a lover of God, is that we can all be Theophilus, for we can all be lovers of God, in which case these letters are to us and we can glean from it, from them, this most wonderful testimony of Jesus Christ and the continuing story of the growth of the Church of Jesus Christ that has that began in the first century but has continued on to this very day in which we live. So in our book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, the Word of God reads this way, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, 
after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In this passage that is before us in in Acts chapter 1, there are four key things that I want to touch upon. The first one is the the mention of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the this account begins uh, 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what we have here is um, that for 40 days, Jesus had been uh, showing up, literally just showing up in a room or different places to his disciples and to uh, other followers of him uh, to to as a living proof that he was alive again. You remember that when uh, Thomas was, was doubting and Jesus showed up and Jesus said to him, Thomas, why do you doubt? Look here, see, t- put your put your hands in, in the nail prints of my hand and see that I am flesh and bone. He he was real. He wasn't a spirit. He wasn't a ghost. He was real. He was flesh and bone. He was alive again. And he is alive even today. And it was very important that uh, these many infallible proofs of his resurrection was um, uh, convincing proof uh, that everything had changed. If it weren't for the resurrection we would still be lost in our sin. Resurrection means that our sin debt has been fully paid for. In Romans chapter 6, it says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When Jesus rose from the dead, it was as if God was saying, the debt has been paid in full. And it's as if you were to write uh, a list of your sins, and when Jesus rose from the dead, your debt has been paid in full. It is cleared from your account. In Corinthians, it says that the old has gone and the new has come. The old life of sin is gone, and the new life in Christ has come. It says in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we look to Jesus Christ for our salvation, but it was very important that the resurrection not only happened, but that it is believed upon. So our scripture today says that uh, he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. And for 40 days he showed up and he spoke and he taught and he proved that he was alive. 
And he, be, and he was teaching to them, again, the things of the kingdom of God. He said to his, the people that were gathered around him, he commanded them to wait for the promise of the Father, which he, uh, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The Holy Spirit, another promise of God. It is a promise that was um, prophesied in the book of the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, verses 27 through 28, which says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and, my, and be careful to keep my laws. When he says, I will put my spirit in you, you see, that is different. Not just on you, but in you. In Luke 24, 49, Jesus said, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Again, in John 16, verses 13 through 14, Jesus said, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. And again, once more in John 14, 26, Jesus said, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is a gift that is promised by the Father and it is, a, is a, um, a gift that comes with power and truth and strength. In 1, John, or 1 Corinthians 6.19, uh, Paul says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, this Holy Spirit indwelling within us. In Ephesians 1, 13-14, it says that we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, guaranteeing our inheritance. This, too, is important because it is the strength that we need not only to live for Christ, but to testify about Christ. In John chapter 14, let me just turn to that real quick. Jesus said, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. This is the promise of Christ, to empower us, to enable us, to gift us, in, verse, in John chapter 14, 26, again, he says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I've said to you. He is the strength in which we can uh, fulfill the calling that, has been, that he has placed upon our lives. Back to our passage in Acts chapter 1. Another aspect that is being uh, discussed here. 
is the uh, kingdom of God. Jesus said in verse 3 that, uh, or not Jesus, but that he was speaking the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. This is a kingdom that uh, God began speaking of in Exodus 15, 18, in which he said, the Lord will reign forever and ever. The word reign directly connects us to the principle of kingship and kingdom. In Psalm 103, 19, it says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. And again, in Daniel chapter 24, chapter 2, verses 44, it is prophesied that in the time of those kings, the king God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. That is why Jesus said when he was speaking with Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for that reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Jesus, throughout his ministry, taught about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God begins first in our heart, where Jesus reigns as king. That there is soon coming a day when he will return to earth, and he will reign and rule over the nations of the world as king of kings and lord of lords. Of course, the question is, is he your king? Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? One more point of this uh, teaching concerns the baptism. In verse five says, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And John, John's baptism, that would be John the Baptist, he was the forerunner of Christ to prepare the hearts of the people for the ministry of Christ. And he was calling people to repent of their sin and come to the waters of Jordan to be baptized as a confirmation of that repentance. What Jesus is speaking of here is a baptism of the Holy Spirit, that indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that sealing of the Holy Spirit that we've already made mention of. And they were to wait. And it, in, it turns out that they waited uh, 10 days uh, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to fall upon them and upon every person who would later come to the saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But it began with that time and that day. This was the command of God. This is, this is the instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples on that day. The Amplified Version um, has an interesting translation for John chapter 14, verse 16. It reads this way, but I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby that he may remain with you forever. What does it mean to you to know that you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, 
have also received the gift of the Holy Spirit, as well as the gift of everlasting life. What does it mean to you to know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to you to know that because he is in you, because he dwells with you, that you have everything that you need for life and godliness, that you have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead at work within you to fulfill the calling that he has placed upon us. And what is that calling? Jesus said it uh, in just a few verses later from our passage. He said, you shall be my witnesses. The call to tell people about Jesus, to tell about how he lived and died and rose from the dead, to tell how he has come to you and changed your life, to tell the story, to teach the scriptures, to encourage the brethren, to bring comfort to the hurting, to strengthen those who are weak with the testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the teaching of the word of God. We have been saved not just to be saved, but we've been saved to serve. And that is the story, the beginning of the story, that we find in the book of Acts. Because the story did not end with the last verse of Acts. It has continued from generation to generation to generation. And it continues to be a continuing story in our day to day. Let me close with a reading of a passage out of the book of Titus, chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. It reads this way, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these truths. We thank you for your word that has taught us so much already. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And I pray, O Holy Spirit, take your scripture and apply it to our hearts. May it live within us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Until next time, dear friends. God bless you.